This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization, a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Wednesday, October the 31st, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones. I'm joined via Skype by specialist Todd Campbell. Todd, I am super excited because, first of all, today is Halloween. (laughs) And second of all, um, we're doing a nice Halloween-themed episode focused on Halloween horrors. Specifically, we're talking scary markets, scary stocks, and how to best keep your fears in check during this spooky time. Todd, as I understand it, when it comes to Halloween, the Campbell household goes all out. Am I right? We do. Oh, no, I just lost my prop. I had my my wig on and everything. Our our listeners won't be able to see it. They'll have to go online to Twitter or something. I posted it there. People can see my mad scientist outfit this year. Yes, please uh, check out Todd's costume on Twitter. Todd, you're at EB Capital, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I I think that uh, people will get a kick out of it. You know, I mean, you're going to have a little bit of fun, right? (laughs) That's right. And and Todd, I I think in this day and time, we really do need fun because when it comes to scary, really nothing is scarier than the markets right now, Um, especially over, of course, the month of October, the spookiest month of the year. Uh, I actually read one headline this morning, uh, among many that were, of course, fear-mongering, but it said basically the S&P 500 is actually set to finish October with its worst month since the 2008-2009 financial crisis. And it's not alone. Many of the other major indices are also down, too. Todd, the uncertainty and the fear in the markets right now is certainly reaching new heights. Should we all be afraid? Yeah, all that howling we heard last month wasn't werewolves, was it? It was it was people checking their account balances, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> groaning in agony at, at watching what was happening. I think that you know it's very important during these scary times, right? And I mean, to 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 get real for a second, I'll even take off my wig <laughs> so people can really see. I'm getting serious. Um, you know, I mean, corrections like this they're they're pretty common. Um, you know, Yardini, which is a research firm that's been around, geez, since I've been in the business, since the late 90s at least, they keep track of this stuff. There's been seven drops of 9% or more just since 2010. Uh, I think we got down to about 9 point, we got down about 9.4% uh, on the month at one point. So th- these are not that uncommon. There's been 11 drops of greater than 5% or more since 2010. And yet, as scary as those were, right, because you had stocks, individual stocks, especially if you're a growth investor, get walloped a heck of a lot more than that, right, Shannon? I mean, you had names like Bluebird Bio that fell, I think, 25 28% in the month. You had you know, the IBB, which is the biotech ETF that, that I like to follow. That was down 15%. So, I mean, yeah, these, these are painful in the moment, but recognize that despite all of these that we've had in the past, just since 2010, the market has recovered and gone on to make new highs. And the wrong choice or the scariest choice, uh, the one that would leave you groaning you know, much longer into the future, would be to react to those moments and sell. 
and and not to have been able to participate when those stocks rally back. Because Shannon, I guarantee, you know, if if you sell during those moments, you are not going to time the bottom perfectly. You are not going to get back in and ride that higher. And yeah, Todd, to your point, I mean, where we are at in this particular market cycle, it's nothing new. And more importantly, there's not any one thing really driving kind of the slowdown across the stock market. You've got US China trade war concerns. We're in a rising rate environment, um, particularly in China, too. You've got uh, heavy selling for a lot of Chinese stocks as their economy continues to, to slow down as well. And then, of course, as everyone knows, we are approaching uh, election season. There's a lot of political rhetoric going uh, going around right now, especially as it relates to drug pricing, too. Um, so you're seeing that play out across the sector. But to your point, and going back to what you said, the key is not to be afraid, not to sell your stocks. If anything, consider this an opportunity to really double down on some of those really impressive stocks that have good management are continuing to drive both top and bottom line growth, and really um, figuring out how you can uh, buy a lot of these stocks at a discount. I, you know, I agree with that. And I've been watching the markets very closely through the internet boom and bust and through, you know, the Great Recession and, and through where we are today. And that kind of a long haul strategy is what can allow you to sleep at night. And, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk later on down the show. I mean, not every stock deserves um, to be held forever, you know, in a portfolio. But the market certainly has proven time and time again that if you're willing to to ride it out for a decade or more, the odds tilt significantly in your favor for turning a profit. You know, I think that um, I've seen statistics that say in any rolling 20-year period, for example, you've never lost money. So I, I think that you have to have that kind of a long, calm, uh, view and spend less time maybe you know listening to the the talking heads on TV who are shouting and and pressing buttons and making all sorts of crazy noises um, you know <laughs> other than obviously on Halloween no. we're allowed to do that right <laughs> no name shall be given there Todd uh, no. but, but yeah we'll we'll dive into more of really how to frame your mind in a cycle such as the one that we're in when it comes to your portfolio. Um, but first, before we even dig into that, Todd, we're actually going to transition. Uh, we're we've been talking about the market, but let's actually dig into some of the scariest healthcare stocks that we've seen so far this year. We'll dive into that just on the other side of the break. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they've created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. All right, Todd. So, shifting gears, let's talk about some spooky stocks. 
course, as many of our listeners can attest, in the healthcare space, there's never a shortage of spooky, scary stocks uh, to follow along with. Um, and certainly, this year has not been an exception to that rule. Um, there are plenty of management mishaps, some commercialization woes, pipeline blowups. Um, We've actually chosen what we've considered to be the top three spookiest stocks of this year. So I want to start off with the first one. This is the one I actually like to call the the zombie stock, if you will. And that company is called Geron Corporation. That ticker symbol is G-E-R-N. Uh, Todd, this company has been around for almost 30 years, believe it or not. And it's really been hoping to kind of drag its lifeless zombie body across the finish line, getting from you know small biotech to commercially profitable biotech. And it has really been limping its way to that. Um, I was looking today just at the stock. Uh, it had its heyday really back in the early 2000s, when at one point the stock was actually trading over $60 a share. Today, that share price is $1.53, believe it or not. Todd, I'm starting to think that maybe this might be the end of the road for Drawn. What do you think? It does not look good. It does not look good. I mean, this is a super scary stock. It's It's got to be you know, one of the most frustrating stocks for, for investors who had a lot of high hopes that a middle stat, their drug for myelofibrosis, myeloblastic syndromes, uh, would pan out. Unfortunately, they were developing that drug with Johnson & Johnson. Johnson & Johnson had an opt-out clause in, in their license agreement uh, that would allow them to give their rights back to Geron if they didn't like what they saw in the Phase two data. And sure enough, um, that's what happened. J&J crunched the numbers, looked at it, looked at the developing uh, landscape, competitive landscape, and the indications, and decided, yep, we're not willing to hand over all of these hundreds of millions of dollars and milestones, pay for all of these development costs uh, to be able to, to, to get this metal stat across the finish line. And now that leaves Geron in a really tight spot because they need to figure out, okay, we just lost our licensing partner. We don't have a ton of cash on the books. And now we're going to have to conduct these expensive phase three trials on our own. How the heck are we going to do that? And I think that that's one of the that's obviously the big reason why this has been one of the worst stock performers this year. And um, sadly, Shannon, I don't I don't think there's a lot of hope left for uh, for a reawakening of this of this stock at least until 2020, when maybe maybe if they can find the cash somewhere to keep going, uh, they might have some additional data they can share with us that that gets investors excited. Yeah, and what's so disappointing about the stock is there was uh, tremendous optimism heading into uh, many of these trials for in uh, myelofibrosis that you mentioned. Uh, the early data really seemed to suggest that the drug could actually reverse the effects of myelofibrosis, which is basically a type of cancer that turns the bone marrow into scar tissue. And so there was a lot of optimism with that. And it certainly would have given um, Geron's metalstat drug a leg up uh, commercially when you compare it to Insights Jacoffee, because Jacoffee does not do that, um, and JAK inhibitors don't do that. So this could have been really a really really interesting uh, play could have easily been a front runner in that space and even on the other indication MDS uh, myelodysplastic syndrome and that's a cancer-like disease of the bone marrow the results were also encouraging there initially uh, patients treated with the drug at one point actually became um, 
blood transfusion free. They didn't have to continuously go for blood transfusions. But over time, you actually started to see these patients relapse. So that meant basically the treatment didn't have that durable effect that they were hoping there. So on both fronts, very disappointing. Um, of course, we know in the for MDS, they are going to proceed with phase three Um lot of hope lost, though, I think, for myelofibrosis. So a lot of big question marks there. Um, but there were a lot of, I guess, red flags along the way, too, Todd. Yeah, creaky doors, dark hallways, voices telling <laughs> you maybe you should leave the building. Why are you going into this dark room? Why are you going? Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, if we can take away any lessons that we can apply to our future investments in biotech, it would be that, you know, Always be a little bit cautious when you've got, you know, for lack of a better word, better term, a one-trick pony, one drug in development. Um, obviously, 90% of clinical trials fail. The odds are set against you. Um, I would also say that another one of the warning signs to learn from was the fact that J&J had to discard early on a low-dose version of a metal stat or one of their cohorts, low-dose cohorts, um, because of a lack of e- efficacy. Maybe that was hinting that there could be some problems um, beyond that. So, you know, and then the last, I guess, warning side might have been the fact that J&J really didn't risk a lot to license this drug. They only paid $35 million up front. It was all back-end loaded with milestones after they would have agreed to, um, to take this thing into phase three. So, you know, maybe avoid small upfront back-end loaded deals. Yeah, very important lessons there. And even, too, there was, I guess, some writing on the wall when you saw the company um, raise about $84 million in the second quarter of this year. And a lot of investors were already beginning to suspect that J&J wasn't going to move forward because they, the company Duran was actually set to receive, I believe it was $65 million in uh, a milestone payment. And of course, all of that was dependent on whether or not they would proceed. And so I think the writing was on the wall when you saw the company do that financing round earlier this year as well. Um, but I think, you know, the take home message, it's certainly uh, troubling, frightening for Duran investors, but even more so for the patients. Because Todd, as you know, Jacoffee is really, I mean, it's its really the, the lone winner out there, but it does not work for everyone and it doesn't work all that well for very long. 75% discontinuation rate to a Jacophie within um, five years, Shannon. You know, obviously a major and important need for new drug therapies. And, um, you know, Geron, obviously the derailing there of its drug is, is bad news and, and disappointing for patients who are eager to find, you know, new options. Exactly. So I think uh, the company ended with about $183 million in cash on its books. It's obviously going to need to either A, find a new partner, get some money, or you know continue to try to raise funds. I think it's going to be really hard uh, based on where they're at and what the data is showing currently. But certainly something to keep your eye on if Duran can continue for maybe another next 30 years. I don't think so, but certainly something to watch. So, our next uh, stock, Todd, this is a stock called Synergy Pharmaceuticals. This is ticker symbol SGYP. Uh, This is a biopharma stock that uh, has had its eyes set on the very highly lucrative and very competitive gastrointestinal space. Uh, And it has its lead drug, Trulance, that was actually approved in two GI indications going back to early 2017. They got approved for their second indication earlier this year. 
Um, I took a look at this stock. Right now, the stock is sitting at about, believe it or not, $0.39 cents a share. That's down 85% on the year. And really, Todd, this stock is another classic example of where marketing approval is really only the beginning. Commercial Commercialization is a much larger, much bigger beast that's much tougher to conquer. Absolutely. Clinical stage stocks, they'll rally up, they'll rally down, they'll trade a lot on, on excitement and peak sales forecasts and all that stuff. Then when it gets to rubber meets the road, and you actually have to prove that out by winning over payers and getting in front of doctors. It's a it's a very different ball game. A lot of companies struggle to do it, and that's why they go out and they get licensing partners. You know, Truelance competes against Ironwood's Linzus, and Linzus um, is paired up, or Ironwood's paired up on that drug with Allergan, which is of course a a huge company with plenty of deep pockets that can can market the drug um, and get it in front of people, and you know swing a big stick when it's talking to uh, different payers to get, you know, formulary coverage that, that, that is better than what Synergy could do with Truelance. And, you know, Shannon, the, the, the scary thing here for investors really uh, is the disclosure recently that Synergy is having a very difficult time in refinancing its debt. And, you know, that has, increase the risk that this company's operating expenses are just so high that it's going to burn through the remaining cash that it has. If it can't renegotiate, then it could be called into default because currently it doesn't meet the covenants on the debt that it owes. Uh, And and of course, that would be bad news for, for shareholders and obviously the employees of the company and, you know, for patients because they'd lose potentially um, access to, you know, what could very well be a, a fine drug that would work very well for them. Yeah. And so I think uh, between the go it alone strategy, I know back in, I believe it was 2015, um, the company was attempting to find a partner, potentially even a buyer. And according to the company, there weren't any offers that they thought really met the value of what Truelance was offering and for the value of the company. Um, so, there was no buyer, no partnership. Uh, you mentioned to the other issue, and that's related to these uh, loan agreements. You've got sales and liquidity covenants that the company is currently not meeting, which puts it in a particularly dire place. Um, there was the uh, business update that they provided um, recently, and honestly, that was probably one of the saddest, most depressing business updates I think I've ever read. Because ultimately, it came down to we are very close and on the verge of bankruptcy is what I got from that. Um, and so, another thing I want to go back to is that uh, you mentioned with Linzess, Linzess, um, and Ironwood and Allergan. This is a very competitive space, and you've got very deep-pocketed competitors who have a very strong commercial sales force, and now you're attempting to come onto the market alone, you don't have a deep-pocketed partner that can really help offset some of these costs and really get you across the finish line. And so, what you see happening with Synergy is, I think, a classic tale of, for these small biotechs, you've got to have a big partner, especially in competitive spaces like GI. Yeah. And, you know, again, to lessons learned or the warning signs, what were those creaking doors? What were those voices saying to us that maybe would have helped us to avoid investing in synergy? I think the things to bear in mind are, you know, rapid cash burn, you know, how quickly are operating expenses and R&D drawing down the cash that you have on your balance sheet? How often 
are these companies going out and having to tap investors for dilutive equity? And then if they're not able to do that, do they owe money through loans to other third parties that aren't your traditional banks uh, that are providing liquidity? Do they have, you know, are they converts? Are they, are they preferreds? Do they have, you know, interest rates that are in case of synergy, 9.5%. Obviously, lenders were not very willing um, to, to front up at favorable uh, rates money to this company. So maybe that's, that's a warning sign. So just pay attention, uh, listeners, to how much debt uh, companies have on the balance sheet, how much cash they have, how quickly they're going through that cash, and where they're getting the funding that, that they need to keep going. Fair enough. And Todd, I'm going to throw out another warning sign. You tell me if you think this is a warning sign. But this was actually the company that was behind the infamous uh, poop troop. And excuse my language, I'm not uh, making that up. This is literally the, I guess, marketing ploy the company went after in 2017, where they created this pack of, I guess, emojis um, really designed (laughs) to increase the conversations around constipation. Weirdest, strangest thing I think I've ever seen, Todd. Was that a warning sign in your eyes? <laughs> Could be. I mean, someone took a swing and uh, unfortunately a miss in the marketing department on that one. <laughs> that is for sure. And uh, certainly not enough to keep this stock out of the toilet. Yes, I did go there. All right, let's turn our attention to our third and final stock. Uh, Todd, this one for me, um, there was so much writing on this stock. The company is uh, Insight, ticker symbol INCY. And really, it's not so much the stock that's scary, it's what happened earlier this year with a drug that literally every investor had been watching, especially those that have been following the uh, cancer immunotherapy space. So they have their had their lead drug, a packet of stat, and essentially what they were attempting to do is to see if they could take this drug and combine it with big players like Merck's Keytruda or Bristol Myers Squibb and Opdivo, and combine these drugs to really kind of have the um, the the combination effect of added efficacy by joining these drugs together. But what we saw though in the trials was that wasn't exactly the case. And things just started to fall apart. Todd, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think, Shannon, the IDO inhibitor should have been called uh-oh inhibitors. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, they, there was a ton of excitement um, in you know go, leading up to the trial results that came out earlier this year. The IDO, IDO inhibition could be could be done alongside of um, you know some of these other immuno checkpoint therapies that had been so successful in oncology. And, you know, that's the PD-1s and the PDL-1s that we've talked about in the show in the past. And matching these two up with slightly different mechanisms of action to be able to really allow the immune system to go out, find these cancer cells and destroy them. And, you know, there was there was some early data that looked really, really encouraging. As a matter of fact, it was so encouraging, Shannon, that Insight basically, you know, jumped the shark. They, uh, you know, they went out and they started up a ton of late stage trials combining um, their drug with Keytruda, which is Merck's PD-1, to see whether or not you know they could reshape how we treat various cancers. I think they went into um, the bad news with uh, I, I want to say like I had it written down earlier. I think it was like eight or something like that different late stage registration ready studies, and you know exiting the trial where it, it came up short and didn't didn't 
it just didn't work. It didn't work in melanoma, metastatic melanoma. They ended up having to ratchet back that program almost entirely. I think they still have a couple lung cancer trials that are going on in combination with Keytruda, but they even downgraded those from from registration studies to uh, phase two mid-stage studies. So, you know, just, just really bad news all around for um, patients and investors who are excited about the IDO space and uh, shockwaves too, Shannon, that, that cut across to different companies. I mean, Bristol Myers abandoned their IDO program after the news was reported. Uh, um, and there was another company, New Link, who's working IDO inhibitors. Um, they, they're you know trading at like $2 a share now. At one point, they were a $50 stock. Yeah. And it was actually, it was, I think, 18 IDO combo trials going on at the time. Um, and really, Insight's IDO inhibitor was the furthest along. So, the read-through to the industry was just tremendous. And there was so much hope going into the space. Uh, matter of fact, um, Apacadistat was at one point number three on Evaluate Pharma's top 10 list of 2018 launches with uh, projected close to $2 billion in peak sales. So, there was a lot riding on this. Um, with that being said, though, this of the three stocks, I think Insight was probably best prepared to have these setbacks. As you know, being a biopharma investor, um, no matter how encouraging early stage data looks, oftentimes when you get to these bigger trials, things just don't work out. Um, but really, I think Insight has thankfully approved products that are blockbusters and can actually lessen the blow of what happened with this drug. I think out of all these these three drugs that we, companies that we just talked about, this is one, this one's most likely <clears throat> best positioned to to bounce back and and regain some of that ground. I mean, it does have a pipeline, uh, it does have products on the market right now, including the blockbuster Jacafee. Um, so I mean, it, it can withstand that hit. It's disappointing though, and obviously, you know, having your shares cut in half in the span of a few months is is never something that investors want to see. Um, so we'll have to see where we go from here. Uh, with this company. There is some co- competition coming from Celgene and Fidratinib um, potentially as soon as late next year. So, we're going to want to keep an eye on that as well. Yeah, for sure. So, turning our attention, uh, we've talked about the market, we've talked about certain stocks uh, that we've been watching, but really, in terms of the average everyday investor, when it comes to protecting yourself, preparing for not only bad news, but also to just corrections within the market. Todd, what are, I guess, some general words of wisdom when it comes to portfolio? Ignore a lot of what you hear. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I have to say it. I mean, okay, so just back up a little bit. So we saw this nearly 10% decline in the market this month. And you know, over the course of a month, yeah, okay, if I lose a percent here, or if I lose a percent here, that's not, it's not so horrible feeling. But we had two separate days this past month where, this, where the S&P 500 fell more than 3% in the day, in the trading session. And I guarantee you that we have listeners out there who saw their accounts fall by multiples of that, because some of these stocks were falling 5 or 10% on those days. And that is hard. It is hard as an investor to watch and see that and not want to do something, right, Shannon? We are hardwired to avoid danger. I don't doesn't matter if that danger is a ghoul coming up behind us that we can't see, the creepy music, you know, sounding, or um, if it's coming in a falling 
uh, account account balance. And I think that we need to kind of fight back. And the way we can fight back against those emotions and those reactions is to be very proactive. You know, to recognize that you know what, three percent declines. You know, yeah, it's bad, but they're not uncommon. They happen, and you know, most of the time. You know the stock market is actually trading higher. So if you had gone out 30 days later, so if you had gone out and bought the three percent dip, um, you would oftentimes come out ahead within 30 days. Now, if you look at the last just since 2000, right, you've seen the S&P 500 drop at least three percent 66 times, 66 single-day drops of three percent or more. And you know, undeniably, each one of those felt absolutely horrible, right, Shannon? It was painful to say the least, um, and I think too one one thing I, I want to bring out is, especially if you're a healthcare investor, it's important to diversify. Um, that helps at least lessen the pain and the blow uh, long term. Um, I will say too though that even if the market were to go into true correction territory, territory, and also too um, thinking about it from a recession, even if you will. Uh, the healthcare industry is one of those sectors that generally I won't I don't really like the term recession proof. I don't really think anything is, but in terms of performance, if you think about it when it comes to medications, when it comes to uh, surgeries even, this is one of the sectors where people will tend to continue to spend money on. You need your medications. If you're sick, you need to go to the doctor, and if you're really sick, you may have to have surgery. So there're definitely some, I guess what I would call defense of plays that you can go after. They're stocks like you know Johnson and Johnson, a huge dividend aristocrat stock that's got a very diversified revenue base. Guys, the consumers has um, a quite impressive uh, amino oncology branch to it as well. Um, another one too, Intuitive Surgical. Um, that is a uh, probably one of the fools, one of our top stocks here. Uh, but with Intuitive Surgical, they're all focused on robotic surgery and really led the way um, with robotic surgery. And so there are a number of different ways that I think you can start to even just diversify the risk across the healthcare space, and really even more so, your portfolio shouldn't just be made of all healthcare stocks either. Right, diversify, diversify, diversify. See, I said it. I'm going to try and not. I'm going to try and go an episode where I don't. But I, I said it again. Um, I would also add to that list, Shannon, that you know, try to restrict. Don't use margin. Yes. I, you know, margin cuts both ways. And you know, we saw plenty of people. I'm sure last month who ended up getting forced mar- forced out of stocks because of margin calls and forced selling by their brokers. Just don't do margin. Diversify. Don't use margin. Keep a little bit of dry powder, a little bit of cash on the sidelines. It doesn't have to be a lot, even if it's only 5% of the portfolio. That will allow you to take advantage of these drops. So when a name like Intuitive Surgical goes on sale or Illumina or some of these other great companies that we talk about on the show, when those go on sale, you're able to step in and at least deploy some of those money on those 3% down days. And just to go back to that one more time, to hammer this point home, there have been 18 one-day drops of at least 3% just since 2010. And 12 of the, the 16 leading up to the two that happened this month, 12 of the 16, the market was higher 30 days later. So don't react in the moment to those down 3% days. Have a watch list, have some top stocks ready, a little cash on the side to, to be able to buy them and take advantage of it as an opportunity. 
Awesome. As always, wise, wise words from Todd Campbell himself. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Of course, that's it for this week's show. Um, But certainly check us out next week. Uh, In the meantime, um, be sure to check out Todd Campbell's costume on Twitter, please. It's awesome. He goes all out. Uh, But as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Steve Broido. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit SineosHealth.com slash podcast.